0: Thanks for joining us for the latest episode in Cifma's DEI podcast series. I'm Cheryl Crispin, Executive Vice President and Head of DEI at Cifma. Today, I'm speaking with Libby Cantrell, Managing Director and Head of Public Policy at Pimco. We'll talk about the firm's commitment to diversity and inclusion and their efforts to recruit, retrain, retain diverse talent in the financial services industry. Welcome, Libby.
1: Thank you, Cheryl. It's nice to be here.
0: Before we dive into our discussion, I'd love to hear more about your career path. What sparked your interest in finance? And I know you spent some time up on Capitol Hill as well. What led you to your current role at PIMCO? And what has really helped you grow um, as you've advanced in your career and your current role?
1: Yes, yeah, so I had always been, so I, I, would, I would actually start first with sort of the policy side of my my job. So um, as kind of a baseline line, I you think about the policy risk and political risk for uh, Pimco's investment committee. I speak to our clients um, about the same the same topics, and I also lead policy engagement for for the firm. I'd always been interested in policy, actually, going back to four, age fourteen. Uh, I spent a summer volunteering for a campaign of a woman who was running for the state legislature in my home state of Colorado. I used to ride my bicycle down to her headquarters and, um, and, uh, and that really, I think in many ways, sort of formalized uh, what has been now a lifelong interest in, in policy and in politics and, and, and in many ways public service. Uh, when I was in college, I was um, deciding between investment banking and the Peace Corps. So it sort of showed you um, where my my heart was. I was pretty confused, I would say, but I'd always been interested in math and economics, and again, sort of macro, both from, from a kind of policy perspective and then from an economics perspective. Um, joined Morgan Stanley in their uh, investment banking. Analyst um, division. Uh, I think I, by my, my own admission, would, it was a, it was certainly a bull market hire. I um, was hired in fall of um, of, of ninety nine, right before the tech bubble burst. Um, joined actually there the the tech corporate finance group at Morgan Stanley. Spent. You know, three years there, really enjoyed my time, You know, learned a lot, worked incredibly hard. <laughs> I really sort of tested the boundary of hard work in many ways. But then uh, when a lot of my colleagues at Morgan Stanley were going on to private equity firms or going back to business school, um, I decided to kind of scratch the itch that I'd always had and moved down to Washington, D.C. Uh, to go work on Capitol Hill. Actually, for the member of Congress who I had worked for in Colorado when she was in the state legislature, she had in the interim, been elected to the House of Representatives. And I worked for her for several years before going to business school um, at Harvard and then joining PIMCO almost 17 years ago. So in many ways, my job now is really um, a culmination of of interests of markets and economics and finance and policy and politics. Um, I also think it's the best job around. it's something that is always changing. It is never the same. Um, and again, it allows me to keep my toe very much in policy circles while um, really squarely residing within kind of markets and the kind of the client space.
0: That's really a great overview and, and an exciting career path, certainly, very interesting. Um, as you've moved through your career, maybe if you could tell, talk a little bit um, and share with our audience the role that mentors and sponsors have played for you uh, throughout your career? Uh, clearly an important role, but we'd love to hear uh, from you on that.
1: I mean, yes. I, so I think you know, this is something that I, you know, young women in particular, um, but also young men who are, are joining PIMGO, you know, ask all the time about mentorship and sponsor sponsorship. I don't think, you know, when I started out, there was really very much, we didn't really just think about it that way, but as I reflect back on my career, um, there were times where um, I had, you know, some really important mentors that then became sponsors. Um, I also just had some peer mentors who uh, really helped and and provided a sort of a sounding board along the way. And then I just had sort of exclusively some, some sponsors. You know, I would put um, the 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 member of Congress. For whom I worked, um, she was, you know, both in many ways a mentor and a sponsor. Um, she really, in some ways, encompassed to me you know, that you can only, you know, really be what you can see. Um, at that time, in the House of Representatives, I believe it was something like ten percent of of the House uh, was female. Now I believe it's you know nearly a quarter. Um, still, some progress to make, but but has you know came a long way. But just seeing her being a real pioneer in the policy area, but also at the same time having you know a loving husband and having two, at that point, very small children that she was devoted to, um, I think you know, it really provided an important example for me in my own life that you can, again, sort of be a pioneer and do hard things, you know, be one of the few women in, in a room um, but also at the same time, you know, be a mother and um, and a spouse and and what have you. Now, you know, then fast forward, you know, I would say to, to PIMCO, and I have had, you know, again, lots of, of you know, mentor relationships. Um, I have a lot of colleagues who are sort of of the similar elk who joined PIMCO at the same time and have just been, you know, wonderful sounding boards um, to me providing, you know, advice along the way. But again, um, several sponsors as well, you know, most of whom have been men, and I do think this is something kind of a misnomer um, that maybe junior women make in the beginning of their career that they think that they can only sort of look to the woman at the firm to be a mentor or to be a sponsor. And I would say in, in my career, um, again, I especially here at Pimco, and um, the men have been you know, really vital and invaluable sponsors. el Arian, who was the you know the previous CEO of Pimco, really helped me. Um, really sort of um, outlined my role here and, and gave me um, the, sort of the credibility in many ways uh, to do something um, that had never been done at the firm before. Um, our current CEO has been a great advocate of mine as well. So again, I think that you know, my, my kind of view on mentorship in particular um, is that kind of using a mosaic theory, trying to glean a lot from as many kind of diverse points of view uh, as possible and then in terms of sponsorship just really opening the aperture about what a sponsor could look like um, and not necessarily you thinking that it only it had to be somebody who looked exactly exactly like me and that in fact men have been incredibly effective and, and powerful sponsors for me as well
0: that's really a great vantage point and that those allies as we move through the diversity journey are always so important. Um, So thank you for that. Uh, Maybe building on those thoughts, what advice would you give to the audience in terms of challenges um, within the career development or successes in terms of your career path? Um, There's always sort of some challenges and success. We'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on that.
1: Yes, and I think that that is right, Cheryl. I think that's actually a really important point. That if people look at, and I certainly have done this in my career, you look sort of at successful people above you, and you think that it's always been easy, and in fact, um, it's never. It's usually not that way. Uh, and and like other folks, I also had my my challenges. You know, I would say you know one one sort of piece of advice that I provide to sort of younger people starting out. Um, is just being an advocate for yourself and you're know, articulating what you want and being proactive. Um, I, I do think that um, working hard and putting your head down actually can get you very far. So it's not to say that that's not incredibly important, kind of the workhorse component. But I also think that no one cares about your career as much as you do. and as, And if you don't ask, Um, then you certainly will not receive. My mom, growing up, would always say, you know, the worst thing that can happen is people just say no. And I've sort of, you know, adhered to that in my career as well. There have been times where, you know, I've just, I've asked for things that I thought surely uh, the answer would be no. Uh, And it turns out to be either a maybe or even a yes. Um, So I think, you know, articulating what you want um, making sure that you're taking the opportunities to you know, help your manager sort of see the path for you as well. Um, and again, sort of speaking up because you know, the, the only person who cares as much about your career as yourself um, and really know and really no one else. I think sort of related um, is that if you're given the opportunity or if the door even opens a little bit to make sure that you walk through the door, um, I do see folks, you know, maybe starting out their career who might, you know, understandably, you know, be a little bit more passive um, or kind of waiting, you know, for um, all the circumstances to be right to sort of step up. And I have to say that, you know, that oftentimes um, folks will only give you the job uh, if you're actually already doing the job. Um, there was an example of this in my own career, um, actually an example of, kind of what I would say about speaking up. I I had was in discussions about sort of how I could make partner at the firm and was told that um, I probably couldn't in my in my existing seat at the time. Um, so I asked, you know, what could I, you know, what could I do in order to potentially um, you know, qualify or be considered to be a partner. Um, and at that point we were, um, I, I was here in the New York office. I've been in New York my entire Pimco career. And my manager at the time said, well, at some point, maybe you could leave the, the New York office. And I said, I, I'd absolutely love to do that. Um, that's something that I, I'm very, I think I'm very qualified for, or what have you. Um, lo and behold, six, six weeks later, the existing head of the New York office had, um, had stepped down. And um, at that point, my manager was a little bit in the, a bind uh, because he had we'd already had this discussion. I had already said that I really wanted to, to leave the office. Um, so he sort of grudgingly, uh, on a on a very temporary basis, you know, gave me that title. And instead of waiting for it to become permanent, um, I just started doing the job. I started sending out emails to the office. I started having social events. And, you know, six months into, into that experience, um, when they were going to sort of revisit who should be the permanent head of the office, at that point, it would have been very difficult um, to not make me the permanent head because I was already you know, functioning in that in that role. So I think again, just making sure that once the when the door opens a little bit, making sure that you're sort of maximizing that opportunity and walking you know you're walking through it um, in in a fulsome in a fulsome way. That two two things I think just to keep in mind that have held me in good stead. Um, one is um, and this is actually a quote of James Gorman, the CEO of Morgan Stanley. But my friend uh, Sharon Shaya is the CFO of uh, Morgan Stanley, and she came to speak at our recent Pimco Women's Summit. And she said that um, one thing that James always says is no envy by strat no sorry, no strategy by envy. Meaning, um, Morgan Stanley shouldn't just be doing things in terms of their corporate strategy because other banks are doing that. And she sort of ad- ad- ascribed this to her-, her own career, and I feel like it's actually. Um, You know, it articulates what I've done as well, is that you sort of have to make sure that you feel comfortable with what you're doing. And even if it may be unconventional or, you know, people may have other ideas about what might be better for you, um, you sort of have to just tune it out. And as long as you feel like you're growing and contributing and you're enjoying yourself, I think that's the most important thing. Um, is just, you know, keeping, keeping with it. I, I, you know, again, I I sort of created this role of PIMCO. There were lots of times, you know, across the sort of the 17 years where it's been suggested to me that I do something else, that I run a business, that I move or what have you. And and I may have been promoted more quickly if I had done that, but I really believed in what I was doing. And I sort of tuned out um, kind of what was maybe the conventional norms. And, I think that's held me in good stead, and then I guess the the last piece of advice, Cheryl, that I give a lot of folks, um, but particularly young women as they're starting out, um, is that and I and I and I know this is not an original uh, thought. Um, I didn't think Cheryl Sandberg you talked about this in her book, and Lean In. But honestly, who you pick as your life partner is is in my case probably was the biggest career decision and the most important career decision. I made. I, I, met, I met my husband at, at business school, and he knew that I was um, going to be working hard. That I was ambitious, but that I also wanted a family, and um, he has been just incredibly supportive, not only in word but also in action. I mean, he's the one who takes care of the kids when I was traveling a lot. When my when my both my kids were, were quite little, um, he allows me to you know, if I have to go to TV early in the morning like I had to do this morning, he's the one who's getting the kids ready for school and taking them to school and what have you. And I, and I, you know, it sounds pretty corny, but um, it really has been, you know, true that if I had picked somebody else, I don't think I would have been able to do what I've been able to do at PIMCO. And so I think in retrospect, maybe by luck, um, I just happened to pick a partner um, who is really, you know, not only against supported me, but also, I think facilitated a lot of my a lot of my career success. So I think that's something that a lot of younger folks are not necessarily thinking about. But again, sort of having the benefit of a little bit of time and in uh, retrospection, it really may um, have made a huge difference.
0: I I love that, and and I love that it uh, keeping keeping track of and an eye on uh, the the balance of work and personal and that life partnership really can make a, a big difference in terms of what you can accomplish from a career perspective. So so thank you for that. Um, just a, a, maybe a, a little shift of gears. As an active member of the CIFMA board, uh, you know that we frequently talk about our commitment as an industry to improving D&I overall, whether it's through, you know, better recruitment strategies or training or striving for a more inclusive culture. Um, and maybe give us some thoughts on how you would define uh, within PIMCO um, or pr- more broadly within our industry, um, I- inclusivity and an inclusive culture. And what are some of the things that PIMCO is doing to uh, help create a more inclusive culture
1: environment. Yeah, so this is something that we've, you know, really been focused on for as long as I've, you know, been at PIMCO. Again, I'm going on my, on my 17th year. Um, I do think, though, like ev- every, you know, like lots of firms, I should say, you know, we've really evolved. Um, it's become, you know, I think even, you know, more um, professionalized. We've, we have a, and this is, I think, kind uh, of table stakes at this point, but, you know, the fact that we have, somebody whose job it is um, to think about inclusion and diversity, but then also really importantly has the buy-in from our senior management, um, from the CEO and the CIO below. So so this person's not just on an island unto itself, but really has the buy-in and the support from the most senior people in the, in the organization. Um, so I think that's kind of been, again, I think that's now table stakes, but it, that's so important to have, that function, but also to have that function really have the buy-in of, you know, of the senior folks around an organization. Um, you know, I think, again, and, and you know, I think I, the way I've sort of thought about inclusion and diversity at PIMCO is there's this kind of top-down, you know, element to it, which includes you know, our inclusion and diversity uh, team. Um, it includes, we have a, a managing director advisory council on inclusion and diversity. Um, And and that, you know, that kind of top-down effort has been very data-driven. We um, have, you know, these sort of periodic assessments um, that we do that we conduct across the firm that then really helps to drive um, that kind of top-down, you know, that top-down strategy. And of course, you know, just having folks around the table who look different, who are from different places, who are of different genders and what have you. Again, I think this is all sort of table stakes at this point, Um, It probably wasn't, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago. I think it does show you how it's evolved. But then there's also sort of this bottom-up component, and that's where I've been, I would say, kind of most involved um, through our various employee resource groups. I actually started out um, really more involved in our our PIMCO, um, what we used to call PIMCO Parents, but now we call PIMCO Families Employee Resource Group. And part of that, you know, was just, Cheryl, because I had a, a husband who was working at a hedge fund and we were having our, our first baby. And I realized that in many ways, um, while a lot of this had that used to be kind of historically talked about as a kind of a woman issue, this was really a lot of these issues were actually working parent issues um, and working mom and working dad issues. So um, I really became more involved in in PIMCO parents and, PIMCO, and I was then involved into to PIMCO families. Um, and then later on, um, have been kind of parts of, you know, of, of PIMCO Women and sort of our evolution there. I think like other firms, we've had, you know, sort of fits and starts with those efforts. Um, but I can say that, you know, just looking around our PIMCO Women group, it's so much more inclusive than it used to be. And I think, you know, we're just going to talk about sort of the evolution in finance, but I think that's actually one of the, the bigger evolutions is that it's not only kind of women talking to women anymore. Um, and I think that is a really important component of it. I think the, the community aspect, the comedy aspect, the support aspect is super helpful, um, and important and important. But it's also, I mean, as you said in the beginning, having these allies there as well. Um, and I think just looking at kind of the composition of our PIMCO women employee resource group it used to only be really women. Um, and now it's much more it's much more diverse, I think, in many ways sort of signaling that that evolution.
0: That's great. Well, maybe just uh, to wrap up as our final question, I mean, we, uh, clearly you have a, a commitment to diversity and improving diversity and inclusion in the industry. And as a thought leader in this space, we all know um, senior leaders who also want to have that same commitment and want to prioritize DE&I within their firms. But- Quite frankly, maybe feel either unqualified or uncomfortable discussing the topic. Um, how can we empower these other leaders who have a desire to lead on DEI um, to utilize tools such as research or data or other internal resources um, to, to empower them to create change? And, and if you have any examples of how that may have sparked change at PIMCO, that would be terrific.
1: Yeah, and I think that, um, and again, I do think this is sort of an evolution. As I said, I mean, just starting out at Morgan Stanley, you know, twenty three years ago, um, it was sort of women talking to women. Um, We just had a a a big annual Pimco Women's Summit um, earlier this year, and one of the marks I think of real success was that we had um, about half the firm, about fifteen hundred people, tune in live, um, many of whom were men, and I think that is you know, again, sort of an indication of men becoming part of this, you know, a really key part in many ways, because a lot of times men in finance are the decision makers, and um, they're the ones who are in the C-suite. And so really, you know, creating a kind of a culture and an environment that's very welcoming of, of allies. But I think my advice to men is, you know, don't be shy about it. Um, it may feel uncomfortable, and, um, but I think that w- women are so appreciative when men indicate that they want to be um, included, that they want to be involved. And you know, I think like you know, uh, uh, we can't all experience or understand how it is um, for a, a specific colleague from a specific you know background, but we can understand that we can't understand that, but we can still we can still want to help and, and support. So I guess I would encourage men that even though they may not understand exactly what's going on, you know, being, you know, being a female in finance, that just asking the question and showing up, um, really just showing up honestly to these events can just be incredibly, you know, incredibly powerful. I also think, and this is something to to, to your earlier question about what we're doing, is that just making sure that folks are holding other people accountable. Um, I think that this, you know, inclusion and diversity is something, first of all, it's so broad, and so I think, you know, you kind of have to define what that means for your own firm, but I also think it's something that it you know, feels good to talk about, um, but kind of when push comes to shove, when the, you know, the rubber meets the road, to, to, to mix my metaphors, um, it's really important that people are held accountable. So. I think broadly speaking, again, just having men show up, ask the question, ask if they have, they can help or how they can support, um, I think goes really far, but also kind of the Maslow's hierarchy, um, men just holding other men accountable for creating, you know, these diverse teams um, and not kind of taking it out from kind of the rhetorical space where it feels good to talk about into really the kind of more actionable and substantive space. And again, um, making sure people are actually held account to all this sort of talk. So it's not just happy talk. It is actually a real, really meaningful, meaningful action.
0: I love that accountability and don't be afraid to ask questions um, are two great Um great themes to end on. So, Libby, thank you so much again for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to talk with you, and I know our audience uh, will really enjoy hearing um, your thoughts and comments. For the listeners, to learn more about SIFMA's diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, please visit cifma.org slash diversity. And thank you to all of our listeners and again to Libby for today's session. We hope you will join us for future podcasts. Libby, thanks again. Thank you.